Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo. Uh, see, John, that's how you do it. Um, it I, I'm surprised you, you've been listening. You've been part of this pod for like 13 wow. years now. I, Shots fired. I, man, right off I didn't the know jump. the drive-by was coming right off the stop here. Sammy from the top rope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Save it Save it for the ref, Sam. Come fair on. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I mean, I, I, I'm. Baby, I'm, don't be so mean. I no, we're, obviously no, right. I, I was thrilled that you guys got together to do the emergency pod after the Illinois game, and I wish I could have been out on there with you, but uh, work was uh, not conducive to me jumping on with you. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- what what a game! And you know, as, as you guys talked about, and as we've been talking about from uh, for a little while now, that that was the first of a three game set that is sort of like the heart of the uh, the heart of the schedule. I mean, this was like the the gauntlet that we were looking at um, with Illinois, Ohio State, and Purdue. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, maybe an hour after the Northwestern Purdue just heavyweight bout. Um, you know, Purdue wins in overtime, uh, but oh my god, there's so much to get into with with this game against Purdue. Um, and you know, the big narrative off the top and what so many people are yelling and screaming about is the, uh, the free throw disparity. But I, I mean, that, that's not the biggest, that's not the biggest thing of the biggest takeaway from this game. I mean, yes, there was a free throw disparity. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Collins went absolutely nuclear at the end of it, which was incredible in its own right. But the story of this game is that we were, a boo-booey jumper away from walking in to West Lafayette and coming out with a W. And, you know, it didn't fall. And you know what? That falls more often than not. And Uh, I mean, yeah, to say the least, right? (laughs) A a floater at the buzzer of regulation. um, And then, and then even in OT with nine seconds left in OT, a one possession game down three, and what set Collins off was a very clear offensive foul by Purdue that that got called the other way. Um, but the the point is, and and John, you made this point better than I can on Twitter. Like Northwestern has now shown in two games against Purdue, the number one or number two ranked team in the country, that they there is a hair's whisker of difference between these two teams, if any. Right. There, I mean, there, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, we'll get into the, the the difference and everything, and like the discrepancy in the free throws, right? And and there were those calls at the end, but obviously, like, and Scuzz was talking about us. You know, you were talking about it before we started the pod. That look like a ton of Purdue's free throws is just baked into our strategy, right? It's hack and yep. Like Purdue's going to take a million free throws, and I, the thing I can't is, believe you're going with hack and and not hack a Zach. Hack a Zach. There we go. It, Whatever. It's, it's right there. I yeah sure the hack is <laughs> and but that you can look and be like there are these crazy discrepancies and like yeah he took a million free throws in the first game too that's baked into the magic of what Scuzz is talking about these two teams aren't like each other at all and yet they are equal I mean well, they're that, equal the, the hack the hack is uh moniker is is 
warranted because it's the same strategy as you used with Shaquille O'Neal because the same problem. He was he was so big and he was so physically dominant. You couldn't help but foul him. The refs never called anything on him. And he was shit at the free throw line. So, um, I mean, Edie was 8 of 17 tonight. I don't remember what he was last game, but he he, he doesn't hit all these things. You're you're better off trying to foul him. Got to make sure that, that he doesn't, you know, it's not an and one opportunity because then that becomes problematic. But yeah, that's part of the strategy. And, and, and it, and it worked like, like Northwestern right. had a legit shot to win this game at the buzzer in one of the hardest arenas to play in, in all of college basketball against the number two team. We've talked about it all year. You have to play damn near perfect on the road to win in this conference. And seeing you described it as a heavyweight bout. Check this out. Free throw or uh, field goal shooting percentage overall. Northwestern 57.6 Purdue 57.9. Three-point shooting, Northwestern 51.9, Purdue 47.6. This was a titanic battle. Right. And that's the thing is like like we can get into the individual discrepancies. And frankly, like honestly, this might be Collins's high point, getting himself ejected at the end of this game. I don't know that Chris Collins has ever been more beloved as a Northwestern coach than the he way, is. The, the way right? he went out was legendary. It was, it was <laughs> like epic. Honestly, Absolutely like, I'm not kidding. Epic. I don't think he's ever been more beloved than he is right now. Northwestern fans would go through a wall for that guy right now. Like he he was harnessed the the feeling that everyone had and got himself out at the end of the game. And I think like Northwestern Nation was behind was behind him. But and, and well, just just re- real quick, what was amazing about the way he went out is like the the game was over for all intents and purposes. So like he could just go out with a blaze of glory. He gets himself tossed, is going you know like I say nuclear at the refs, goes over to give Painter a high five, gives Edie a high five like and a hug, and then walks out of the arena just egging everyone on, just like playing playing the full on WWE heel. It was it was incredible. Yeah, I mean he 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 went for it. And I think, you know, was he hot? Yes. Has is Chris Collins known to get hot? Yes. This felt a little bit more calculated though. I think he he like you said, like a guy who has totally lost his cool doesn't find the opposing team's head coach and best player and make sure he shakes their hands on the way out. He knew what he was doing. And again, I think he harnessed what Northwestern Nation was feeling and almost being like you're not here with me because you can't be here, but I'm pulling you in. I'm pulling you down to the court because the way you feel is the way that I feel. And it, that's just one more thing that I like the it's it's the overall narrative. It's the overall narrative of this team, right? After this loss, Northwestern is fourth in the Big Ten, right? Not tied for fourth. They're alone in fourth place in the Big Ten right now. And as we said, despite the massive stylistic differences between these two teams and the massive difference in their approach to the way that they play each other, they're even. And we said it on Twitter. You play these two teams, like, wh- like what more do you need? Roll last game, last year's game in when, like, we had Chase, and but they, you know, aside from that, pretty much same personnel. They had pretty much the same personnel, and it went just like this. And it's like, like what more evidence do you need? If these two teams just keep playing each other, they're just going to keep throwing haymakers at each other. It's going to look like this. 200, if they play 500 times, they're going to split it. They play 1,000 times, they're going to split it. But one of these teams is two, and one of these teams isn't ranked. And it's funny. I was thinking about college football this year and about the whole Florida State-Alabama thing and thinking, is college basketball really the polar opposite of that? 
is it really so far in the other direction? Because the only reason Northwestern's not ranked right now is because of that Chicago State loss. And look, I mean, I'm saying the reality is somewhere in between those two things. But at one end, we have Florida State, who had the most deserving resume, getting just shown the door, right? Well, is are we really the polar opposite of that? Because at this point, it's basically like, is there anyone in the country that thinks that Chicago State game has any bearing on this Northwestern team whatsoever? I mean, look, it's going to be part of the tourney resume because that's the way that it worked. But can you imagine... There were millions of people watching this game tonight, and not just Purdue Northwestern fans, major basketball fans, not affiliated with either team, turning in to being like, this is a big-time game, I've heard. And then watching these two teams play and being like, and Northwestern beat Purdue in their building, and they're almost, and then looking and being like, why the hell is this team not ranked? I don't understand. And then looking at their resume and being like, oh yeah, they have this one like goofy loss. But there's not a single person in the country that thinks that loss represents this team. This bizarre, unexplainable thing that happened in front of 10 people while the students were out of town, that's not who this team is. That's not. It doesn't have anything to do with this team, right? It is what it is. And they're going to have to eat that on the resume. But you look at the way this team has played over the past three games. It's unreal. And we're going to talk about the Ohio State game later. But, I mean... Any impartial fan who's watching is like, well, that's one of the best teams in the country. They And all the teams that they're beating or playing dead even are ranked in the top 10, right? So it's one of those things where it's like Northwestern's played the hardest Big Ten schedule in the country over the first half of the season, harder than any other team in the Big Ten. And after all that, they're fourth, alone in fourth in the conference. They have some of the best players in the conference. They have, for our money, right, we take no one in the country over Boo Booey on our team. There's not a single one of us. We take him every single time, right? Um, it's an unbelievable team on an unbelievable run that spans one and a half seasons at this point. And again, it's like, it's, it's like anything, any individual problem we have with the game, and we do have them, but they all get kind of fade into the background behind just how unbelievable this flipping team is every single night. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I think as we kind of really dive into this game and, you know, you, you look at, you know, Bowie, 25 points, uh, eight assists, nine of 19 from the floor, seven of 11 from three, and Ty Berry, also with 25 points, six of nine from three, um, had, you know, they they played incredible. And, you know, you've got, you know, Hunger putting in some good minutes, uh, Martinelli with 11 points, uh, Barnheiser and Langborg, each with double digits. Um, you know, there were, I mean, there's so much to like about the way this team played uh, tonight. And, you know, Edie is what Edie is. And, you know, we, I, we can talk about that till the cows come home. But, like, we played the way we wanted to play. Yeah, we did. We did. And let, 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 let's talk about Boo because he was absolutely incandescent tonight. Um, yeah. Seven of 11 from three. And, I like, I, like his three-pointers were, I think, like, the like the most questionable one he took was it was a relatively deep one early in the shot clock. And he did the thing where he shot it and he started walking away because he knew it was going in. That's the kind of shooting night that Bowie was on tonight. He had a, he had an open one from the corner that, like, 
toilet bowl circled the rim and popped out. Um, he just, he was exceptional. And, and dur- d- you know, down the stretch in those last, you know, eight minutes of the game, five minutes of the game, he had two of the most incredible assists ever, at, like just finding his way into the lane. He's got Edie and three other dudes towering over him. He can't eat like on, on one. He found Martinelli on another. He found um, Barnheiser. And in both cases, the, uh, the, the announcers were like, like didn't even realize the other guy was there. <laughs> could, yeah. Could not, could not figure out how Boo found, found them or, or even saw them. He was, he was, absolutely electric tonight and um like i like the but it's important to know that he did not start the game that way and he didn't get electric because he forced it he allowed the game to come to him he feeds off of when another player when the secondary scoring is there barry was white hot to start the game he couldn't miss now he's getting really good looks and a lot of credit to boot like like purdue was um overemphasizing ensuring that Boo couldn't drive and he was finding Barry wide open and Barry was knocking down those threes. Langboard um, was was really good uh, on intermediate shooting. He didn't he didn't take a lot of threes tonight, but um those two guys kind of paced Northwestern early. Barnheiser found his 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 role in the second half and then Boo he just like I've heard Robbie Hummel say this a couple times and the studio in the studio crew on BTN say this a couple times that he he lets the game come to him in a way that he didn't in years past. Some of that is trust for his guys. Some of it is just maturity. Some of it is just like he can affect the game in so many different ways now. And this was this was a vintage performance for him, um, an apex performance. And like the the I, I've said a couple times now that like this game this game was gravy, right? Like Northwestern didn't need this game to get to lofty heights this year to build on what they've done last year. I mean, I, obviously, like. You would love to have a second yeah. win over Purdue, and you'd love to be vying for the conference conference crown in some ways. But like, in a, in a lot of ways, this game was gravy. It was so you know so hard to go into Mackey and win to begin with. The only like the only tinge of regret I have is it just it was the most epic boo game I think that I've seen to date. And had that floater gone in, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's the thing is. I think the the book on Edie and what gets used with him so often is unstoppable, right? That he's this unstoppable object inside. There's no way to really deal with him other than to hack him and put him at the line, right? I mean, it's the Shaq comparison that Scuzz made earlier. But Boo is unstoppable, too. It's a yeah, different kind really of unstoppable. Is. And you look at Purdue, and it's just like they had no answer for him the entire game, right? He hit seven threes on their head. He dropped eight assists to other people. And then they were just at his mercy on that last floater. They could do nothing other than just, they're like, there's six seconds left. It's not like everyone in this whole stadium didn't know who's going to get the ball. And it's like, he's going to get into the lane and he's going to get off a floater. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no plan. There's no whatever. Best floater guy in Northwestern history is going to get into the lane and get his shot. And it just fell up a little short. And Purdue, that's, Purdue could do nothing but exhale. I mean, it's like... Boo's unstoppable when he's on like this. And what is he? I, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it's like 90 points across three games against Purdue, loosely, give or take, right? I mean, it's like he's he haunts their dreams. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, he, he totally does. haunts their dreams like 100%. Yeah. yeah. And like, and I mean, he's, I mean, he's the starting point, but then obviously like Barry, who has, you know, we were talking a little about the pod, like Barry had 
on one hand, a couple like ups and downs, right? I mean, a couple like, you know, defensive issues during the game, a couple ill-advised threes. Um, and then that missed layup, you know, with just over a minute left, which at the end of the day, you know, maybe affected the game, but maybe it did it right? Because at the end yeah. of the day, Northwestern may have been in the exact same situation, just bleeding more clock before they tried to take a shot at the end of the day. And on the other hand, Barry was absolutely incandescent for other times of the game. Um, the shooting overall was incredible. The, I mean, you could argue for, from an offensive standpoint as, you know, in a game where Boo was absolutely electric, there are few moments as big as Ty Berry getting fouled on that three-pointer and hitting all three of those free throws. I mean, those, it doesn't get any more clutch than that. Like, in front of that crowd, screaming at him that way at the end, needing to hit all three of those and just to do it cool of ice, cool as ice. So, I mean, it's, I mean these are the guys we have on this flipping team. I mean, it's, a, it's the smallest of consolations that uh, the Purdue fan, the Purdue faithful, did not win free chicken tonight because they did yeah. not hit, uh, they did not disrupt two uh, two free throws in a row, two consecutive free throws. Yeah, right, um, right, and it's it's just like these are the guys that we have on this team. It's ludicrous. It's like they're so good, and I mean, it's it's an all time lineup, which is why this is, team is on an all time run, right, and. I mean, looking at the numbers, like Boo and Barry combined put up 50, uh, 50, 11, and 10 tonight against the number two team in the country on the road. Like, ludicrous, these numbers. Well, they they are. And I think, you know, we've, we've talked all, we've talked for two seasons now about the importance of role players and secondary scoring. And, you know, you, you, we, we've talked about the emergence of Barnheiser. We've talked about what Lamborg brings to the team. Nicholson has had, you know, he, he didn't score much this game because he was in foul trouble for so much of it. But um, the guy, like, the guy that has just been rocketing up uh, throughout the course of the year is Nick Martinelli. He yeah. scored 11 points tonight, was, 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 was doing it with his little like you know left handed baby hook da- like oh his da- move man down it's low awesome. with e- with Edie and the other like bigs from Purdue like the, like talk about no fear, um and just a like a really smart player seems to play within himself but but still is able to demonstrate athleticism and make plays um at the rim et cetera and you know uh that that's been that's been a really fun development to see and I just I see this team as being. I mean, go back earlier in the year, and Nicholson wasn't playing as well as he could have. The defense was not as good as it as it could have been. Um, you know, maybe you, you had you had these these off nights from Barry. You know, maybe Langborg was hitting a little bit a little bit more early on in the year. But think about beating Dayton and beating Michigan State and that win against Purdue, and now this team, which is really coming into its own. They, they keep talking about Martinelli had a foot injury in the fall that hampered some of his emergence this year. They get to go at these this back half of the Big Ten conference schedule, and the degree of difficulty is much lower than it's been to date. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't like They're going to have to continue to flush games like this, stay super, super focused, not uh, lose their, their concentration or, or – come into a game expecting to win, you know, it's going to be tough every night, but th- they can absolutely smoke this back half of the schedule and put themselves in prime position for everything that they're hoping to achieve this year. Um, I, I, I do, I do want to add one more flower to, 
to Boo Bury's laurels tonight. Um, with his 25 points, he is now in second place as the all-time leading scorer. Uh, he passed Drew Crawford tonight, and uh, John Sherna is well within reach. Like he, if he doesn't get hurt in the next week or two, I would imagine that uh, Boo will pass Sherna for all-time uh, leading scorer in Northwestern history. I'm sure Sherna is from his his home in Spain, right? Uh, or his, his either his home in Spain, or the whether Canary, he's in the, Cana- the Canary or the yeah. Canary Islands or not, right? Is 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 watching and cheering on every second of this? I mean, I, you all know cheering as loudly as we are, right? Yeah. You all know if you've met Boo, and you all know when from when he was on from when he was on the pod uh, last summer, John Sherna, that he's he is the nicest guy ever, and no one wants this to happen more than him. But yeah, and I think. It's it's that piece of it too, and you say like yeah, but Northwestern is playing a lot less games. I mean, so much has been made of right, like the chances for Q ones go way down after this point and everything. And it's like, and in the back of our mind, we're like, yeah, but what if they just win a shit ton of games now? Like, like that's the flip side. It's like that's the way it's supposed to work. And you're thinking like, yeah, but now like easier said than done. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois have to play a ton of games. They have they all have to play ten more games too, and their schedule is harder than our schedule too. And that's just talking about conference pecking order. That's not talking about. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like Northwestern has played such a hard schedule and is sitting at fourth all alone in fourth place in the Big Ten right now. And yeah, Purdue. Like don't like Purdue's twenty and two, and I mean they have two losses. Both were on the road in this conference and Northwestern almost, you know, has one of those two losses and almost dealt them uh loss number three at home. I mean, the cats and, and you know, we're going to get into it in a second, but it's like over this past three games, we've seen when the cats are playing this quality of basketball, what they look like against the best teams in the country. And we've also seen what they look like against not the best teams in the country. Because there are multiple ways this can go. And I, I think that's a great way to transition. Um, and, and as we kind of look back uh, to the Ohio State game earlier in the week, um, you know, we kind of take a look at it from a historical perspective. And that leads us into tonight's uh, Lake the Post's segment uh, brought to you by Teamworks Media. Um, you know, as, as we look at where Northwestern is right now and kind of look at where we like the the history of Northwestern, we're we're seeing so many times. Are we doing things for the first time in how long? The first time ever, you know. It, there's so many of those dominoes have been falling, um, you know, with beating Ohio State the way we beat them. I can still with, see their leg twitching behind the woodsheds. So. <laughs> yeah, with. With not without like some garbage time scoring by the Buckeyes, you know, it would have been the largest uh, victory ever over Ohio State. But you know, it, you know, but for a few points there at the end, um, the second largest margin of victory in the Northwestern Ohio State series history happened this week. Incredible, and like th- there's there's so many more as well. You know, yeah, for the beat, first time since 19, back to, yeah, back to back games since 1962. First time since that happened since 62. 
Right. And this is, it's funny because like, this is the Ohio state game was one like Jay, you know, provided so many different historical ways to look at this, but like for historical perspective, Northwestern's 50 and 129 all time against Ohio state. This is not a remotely close series as you might expect, but the recent history has been completely different. The cats are four and four over the past eight. And right now it's just like you had a ton of people tuning in because there was a ton of chatter about, about that Ohio state game. And especially after the game, where a ton of people were like, wait, Northwestern did what to Ohio State? And it's like, Ohio State came in having some issues, and Northwestern came in off the heels of that Illinois game. But I think a lot of people, on the basis of the, you know these historical numbers we're throwing out and just laundry, are like, yeah, but it's Ohio State. And I think Northwestern fans, because of the way we're always girding our loins for anything. Right. Being like, look, this is a crazy hard three game stretch. And right in the middle, we have this Ohio State game at home that we must win and can't overlook. And we just beat the tar out of them. Yeah, um, that, that that's what stands out to me is that this was, you know, not so much in a horse in a statistical historical context, but in an anecdotal historical context. How many times have we, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, gone into a situation like this and the trap game becomes a trap? And the cats struggle or barely eke it out. And we're all, you know, gasping for breath with, you know, years, years burned off of our lives. Um, and because coming off of beating your hated rival, you know, atoning for a 30 point loss on the road with, you know, a, an emphatic top 15 win like they did against Illinois to come back relatively short rest too, right? Three days later. Um, going from a Thursday to a Saturday and just drop the ever loving hammer on a big 10 team. Not, not a non-conference foe, not a, like dropping the hammer in, in a historical way to the, to the notes that you've been, that you've been laying out there, Sammy. Um, that feels different from what I have seen from Northwestern in the past. And it's one of the things that, that came up during the Purdue game again tonight is just this team has, finally um, developed a short memory. They, you know, coming off that Illinois game, they've, they've ripped off an incredible record in the big 10 after, after getting smoked on the road to Illinois. Um, there's another trap game coming up, right? Coming off this Purdue loss, which I'm, I'm sure the team is, is smarting from. Um, I'm sure they're mad. I'm sure they're frustrated. I'm sure I, you know, to, to your guys point, like Colin's reaction in the end is, you know, not just for the crowd and the fans and in nation and, and himself, but certainly for his players too. Um, cause he needs them to, to be able to move past this and focus on, on Minnesota. Um, not a strong squad, but again, going on the road in this conference is really hard. Um, uh, but that like, I, and, and, you know, I think, I think boosting that kind of perspective of the, the mental toughness that we're seeing from this team since 2022, Northwestern is six and four against ranked teams. That's the second best rank in, rate in the country behind Purdue. I guess it's six and five now, technically, um, with the with the loss to Purdue tonight. But still, like Northwestern is showing up in these in 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 moments, both big and spotlight, and then the ones that they have to have, and that's meaningfully different from what we've seen in the past. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. 
Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. I think, too, like something that dovetails directly with that is Chris Collins. And I think we are, I don't want to say guilty of it, but I think even over the course of this magical year and a half run that Northwestern's been on, we probably haven't been saying Chris Collins' name like again and again and again. And I think anyone, any Northwestern fan can look clear eyed and be like, that was a rough five year stretch that led to Chris Collins's job being, you know, right there on the edge. And I think we're all aware of that. And we are all equally aware of how magical and good the stretch since that point has been and how integral Chris Collins is in all of that. And I think one of the big points is we talked about the character of last year's team and how much it was baked into the arrival of Chris Lowry and the defense and everything. The character of this team is not the same team as the character of that team. Like there are similarities, but at the same time, like that team was entirely defense built. And this team at at times, if the situation dictates, will play track meet basketball, right? And that's Collins. The ability to, to shepherd a team overall across, you know, different styles and be able to transition from one point to the other. And like, you know, coming out of the Illinois game, Another stat, you know, Collins has 16 wins against ranked opponents in his career, which is the most of any Northwestern coach all time. And I think, too, about like specifically late game situations and how at the end of this game, not just because of Boo, but the overall feeling that like this was a team that for a five year stretch, we were like, we don't know what they're doing at the end of games. Like we don't have a plan and everything. And that's that seems like so far in the rearview mirror. It's not just Boo. It's this team is cool and heady in clutch pressure moments at the end of games and things like that. And Collins gets credit for all of that. Okay, like this guy, he, yeah, it was a rough five years and it's been a masterclass since then. And I, I, th- I, I think I think the piece of that that's really important to double down on is the adaptability that you were talking about, John. Because I think part of the problem in those five years was a an inflexibility to adapt to different players' strengths and inflexibility to approach the game in a different way. And I, I saw somebody on, on Twitter was talking tonight about like how much how much individual players can in, can impact things and, and talking specifically about about what you were just bringing up, the, the end of game uh, sequences and how how critical Boo is in those moments. And, and yes, he's he's incredible. Um, his development has been incredible. And I think, I think Boo gets a ton, a ton of credit, all the credit in the world for what he is able to do at the end of these games and has done for the last two years. But you've got to give the coaching staff some credit too for the faith that they've showed in him and and the 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 coaching to get him to this place um, from where he was his first two seasons. But more, but more than anything, like this this stat blows me away. The Cats have scored eighty eight points in three or more Big Tens in the in three more Big Ten games in a season for the first time since 1975 and 76. And they just tied the mark. Add tonight's to that as well. They just tied the mark tonight. Now that's two, two, you know, two, three games in OT. Did we go to OT against Illinois? I can't remember. Um, And this was very much not the character of this team last year. Right. Or, or ever, or ever during the Collins era. Collins' teams have never done this. I remember when he first came, he talked about wanting to be up-tempo on offense 
and they just didn't have the horses. They didn't have the depth to do it. And that, that first NCAA tournament team, you know, the, the hallmark was defense and, uh, and then, you know, Brian McIntosh and, and Vic law, but, um, and, 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 you know, Scotty Lindsay as well was, was an absolute critical score, but it was, it was not an offensive minded team. Right. Um, this is the first time we've, we've, we've really seen them adopt and, and, and adjust in those ways. And then I think just, you know, last year, I don't know, I can't articulate it, but, but we know that Chris Lowry has come in and changed the defensive just mindset construct intensity of this team. And, and I think that was meaningfully different from, from what it was in the past. Um, but that adaptability has been, has been an incredible um, piece layered in. And yes, that, to your point, John, that, that goes directly to Collins's ledger. Cause he's, he's the one, make, he's the one unlocking that for the team. Oh yeah. And you look at this past three game stretch, like to bring the same tempo and intensity to all three games when two of them, when, when it's, one is a home game against your hated rival, immediately followed by the trappist of trap games, right? A home game against a lower quarter, right? Big 10 team between the game with your hated rival and a road trip to the number two team in the country. And to bring the same level of max intensity across all three of those games, Chris Collins gets mad credit for that. And I really do feel like, cause I think for people outside of the program, I think it just seems like so like, well, this guy's clearly the best coach in Northwestern history. And it's like, look, like we're not disagreeing inside the program either, but we were all here for that five-year stretch. And I think every Northwestern fan wears that. But I feel like tonight... I, I, I'm going to make, I'm going to say one more bit on this. Like, we felt like Collins was at the end of his rope. Oh, yeah. And... Right. And, and and we even said last year that it was incredibly cynical that he was coming back to coach this team again, and that the, the turnaround was absolutely amazing. That ability to hire assistant coaches, change the product on the court, change the trajectory of the team, be adaptable, that is what right. befell our football coach in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing, right? Like there is no doubt Chris Collins is coaching the best basketball of his life right now. And he's, and it's taken adaptability and growth to get here. And he's fantastic. And I really do feel like this ejection at the end of this game was almost like a crystallizing moment where he gets ejected in again. We know Chris Collins gets hot. It was clearly a calculated move that he was being an avatar for all of us. And as he got ejected, all of Northwestern Nation pointed and said, that's my effing guy right there. And I think it's like a huge thing where I think we all realize we're like, that's our dog right there, Chris Collins. Go get him, dude. Um, and I mean, it's just one more thing. Like you look at the energy and the intensity that he brings to this team and everything. And it's like, that's why we're all like totally bucked up for the second half of it. It's like, you think like this team's going to go on the road and, and like take the foot off the gas against Minnesota? They don't know how, man. Like, they're dialed in right now, and that he's got them playing. It's like you look at the core of these guys, the intensity, the toughness, and everything, and, like, like they're not, like, asking for a handout. Like, they're going to go out and take it. And, and it's, not, it's not just him coaching the best he's ever coached. This is the best, this is the best we've ever seen at Northwestern. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, 
so yeah, with, with, the, with the back half of, of the schedule coming up, you know, things on at least on paper look a little bit easier. Um, you know, we'll we'll really be able to to see kind of the historical context of of where this three game stretch fits in in the season, where this season fits, you know, with, with Northwestern basketball as a program. I, I think at this point we can all say it's you know, like like you just said, this is the best Northwestern basketball has ever been right now. And it, it's really cool to to look at that history, and um, you know that, that kind of leads us into as as we uh, again thank Jay uh, with like the posts presented by Teamworks Media. Uh, this uh, our historical segment. Um, wanted to quickly shout out, uh, and tickets are going really really fast. We mentioned this last week for the uh, Northwestern Athletics Night at the Archives coming up on Tuesday, February thirteenth. Uh, tickets are almost sold out. If you are interested in coming. Uh, email J J at teamworksmedia.com. Um, yeah, this will sell out. And I, I, I'm not just saying that to like drive ticket sales. This is literally almost sold out. It may be sold out uh, by the time you're hearing this, but uh, it's going to be an incredible evening. Um, you know, Kevin Leonard, uh, longtime Northwestern archivists is going to be, you know, leading a personal guided artifacts tour and history lesson on Northwestern sports. Um, you know, Things from Otto Graham, Eric Parsegian, Billy McKinney, Mike Hankwitz, and more. Uh, Dave Revson from Big Ten Network, Northwestern Zone, is going to be there uh, hosting the evening. Um, we'll be having a, a sit-down, a chat with Kevin Leonard, uh, some incredible storytelling. Um, dinner is provided. There's going to be a cocktail hour. Uh, you're going to get a copy of, of Dave Revson's book, uh, The Opening Kickoff. Eric, you were talking about that. You've been You've read the... It's it's amazing book. I I can't wait to get my hands on uh, on it myself. Uh, John and I are going to be there. It's going to be so much fun. Um, again, Jay at TeamWorksMedia.com. Give him a shout. Uh, if hopefully you'll be able to to get one of those last few tickets. Um, but it's going to be really really if, cool. And and if you well, if you don't, there's going to be a wait list. Get on the wait list. And if you're like, I, should I call and get on the wait list just in the chance? Yes, this event's this event's going to be amazing. Get your name on the wait list just in the chance that that a spot opens up if someone can't come or whatever. Like that tends to be how things like this work out, right? This it's a it's a small intimate gathering. I mean, we know Dave Revson is is hosting it. Um, it's like we know some of the other people coming. Like there are going to be some other fantastic people that just that you're going to want to have the chance to talk to and just spend time with. It's just going to be a great group in an intimate setting. Having, talking about what we all would do, like what we all would wish, right? Just to put a great bunch of people in a room and talk about nothing but Northwestern sports and Northwestern history. I mean, it's it's the greatest thing ever with, with an amazing group, right? So yeah, call, put your name on the wait list. If you don't already have a ticket, just, just see if a spot will open up because you want to be a part of this. Uh, again, J at teamworksmedia.com. Um, hope to see as many, like, hope to see you there. Um, you know, those who are coming, uh, we can't wait to see you and it, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, something else happened tonight. Um, yeah, that, that's, it's really, really huge. Uh, Welsh Ryan arena was sold out, uh, for a women's basketball well, game. It warms my heart to say this, like, a little different from all of the other sellouts we've seen so far this season. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So Caitlin Clark, 
uh, and Iowa came into Welsh Ryan and uh, tonight she became the second all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball history um, in front of a packed crowd. Yes, it was it was like primarily Iowa fans, but you know what? Like she's been playing to sold out arenas all season long because people are coming out to watch Caitlin Clark play basketball because she is that good. And it's awesome that people came out and, you know, even like, yes, Northwestern got run out of the building. It was, it was not close. That wasn't the point. It was, it was a chance to see Caitlin Clark play. I mean, she's, you know, she's a senior this year, right? There's Uh, only, there's only so many chances you get to see, you know, one of the great ones and she's one of the greatest of all time. Um, I, like she she should be celebrated in 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 every way that 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 basketball fans can and I just I I, I hate to see all that black and gold at uh Welsh Ryan but like credit to 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 the the droves of Iowa fans for coming out to support her and coming out to um to watch their team and you know a tough night for for our women's hoops squad but like our, our team's in, in, in a bit of transition and tumult and have been struggling a, a bit this year. And Iowa's, you know, the national runner up <laughs> from last season with a great shot to go back to the final four this season. And, um, I like some of the, there's some, some pretty cool Adam Rittenberg actually had a, had a really good shot of, you know, Clark leaving, um, the court and coming, coming out through one of the tunnels in Welsh Ryan and just like the media around her, like she, she stopped and signed autographs for, for, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, she's just, she's a really special player and has driven a, a, a an immense following in uh, women's, women's hoops. And it's really spectacular to see. And she's a hundred, she's 103 points off of the all time college uh, career scoring that was set by Kelsey Plum uh, back in 2017. Uh, she played at Washington, but you know, me, me thinks she's going to get that. Yeah, I would imagine so. She she scored 35 tonight for reference and there's what like 10ish games left. Uh-huh. Right. It's hilarious too because it's it's one of the first times where she's going to be the number 1 WNBA draft pick and that will probably be the the choice that she makes. But it's not 100% a done deal because the NIL dollars for her to stay at Iowa are just as just as high probably like i mean it's it's great you have a, a mega star like this and she's able to market herself and we're able to see her in state farm commercials and things like that so she's able to be a huge thing i think in a larger point too just that tonight northwestern was you know boo booey uh caitlin clark zach Eady, right all in one night in overlapping events one home one at the road just such major titanic figures in the sport of basketball all converging and having Northwestern be a common thread through all of it was, it was an intense night. Right. Um, and it was, I think for Northwestern fans, like deciding like, you know, do I go watch Caitlin Clark in person or do I watch this Titanic matchup? And I think a lot of Northwestern students trying to split the difference and everything, but it's exciting. It's all just exciting times for, for Northwestern fans and students. Yeah. I mean, Congratulations to to Caitlin. Um, you know, definitely we'll keep an eye on when she does break that record. Probably in the next couple of weeks, as you said. Um, you know, she's averaging thirty two point one points a game this season, um, which is ridiculous. 
Uh, she's got, you know, four triple doubles this season. Um, you know, 13 30 point games, the most by a division one player in the last 25 seasons. Um, you know, she's got a career 15 triple doubles, uh, second behind Sabrina Ionescu. Um, she's got 11 40 point games this season or in her career three so far this season, the most in any division one player over the last 25 years. Um, just a, a few milestones, uh, put up by the great, uh, Caitlin Clark. And, you know, you think back and like, we've been watching her for how many years and like, as good as she is, think back to the way she could not do anything against Veronica Burton. Yeah, or those, or just those two going toe to toe. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, the, those those two those two playing each other was some special that, times. That was inc- um, incredible. And, and, and they'll and they're going to do it again. They're they're going to run that back. There's yeah. going to be in, unless the Wings get the first pick. Yeah, well, I think don't the Fever have the first pick? I feel do they? Like the I, fever I, I'm do. not sure. Yeah. I think because the Fever are all super stoked about the yeah. chance to get Caitlin Clark. <laughs> uh, it's, it's what you want. But the, but don't be surprised if you see Caitlin Clark, uh, Veronica Burton, Ding up on Caitlin Clark for, for many years to come. So uh, at Maryland, home against Penn State, at Nebraska, and then home versus Michigan. So, I, you know, Sunday, February 11th at Nebraska or Thursday, February 15th at home versus Michigan seem like the two most likely uh, spots for her to um, – or maybe I guess Nebraska would be the earliest likely spot, and then Michigan is a more probable. That's probably the game she breaks it. Um, yeah, you got, you, her, got, you got to wonder if. Ma- yeah, you got to wonder if maybe her minutes get massaged a little bit so she does have the opportunity to do it at home. Do it at home, yeah. You yeah. Know, you know, like uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena will go absolutely mental. Yeah, the, the roof will come off. Oh yeah. I think really briefly too, just because I mean we're talking about Northwestern hoops. I think we haven't talked about Northwestern women's hoops too much this season, partly because I mean I you know the season hasn't hasn't gone particularly well for them, um, and you know now they're they're really down there at the bottom of the conference, and it's been coupled with um, Joe McEwen, you know, has kind of had an extended leave of absence that I think has kind of come and gone, and has missed several games this season for health related reasons now. He has come out and said, look, like my, like I'm planning on coaching forever here. Um, but I think there definitely is, you know, there definitely are questions in Northwestern Nation swirling right now, which is like, you know, where is Northwestern going here? Is is, is it going to be Joe McEwen in the future, et cetera? And, and, you know, factoring the health into that. And again, not to not to factor it in like that should be a factor, et cetera. It's like whatever he needs to do to, to get right and get healthy is the important thing. Um, and but at the same time, I think there's the the program is definitely not where you want it to be right now, right? Um, and and hasn't been for a little while, kind of abruptly post the Veronica Burton era. And I think we're going to see, right? I think we'll see, like you know, what's going to happen here, and whether it's going to be McEwen to to go forward, and and how this all shakes out. And it's tough because I mean, again, this is a beloved coach who has led Northwestern women's basketball to some of the highest heights that we've seen in the history of this program. So obviously, we all have a lot of deep love for Coach McEwen, and I think you know it's just they're just in a rough spot here. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet. You can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way. 
directly with this Wildcat Superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312-446-9435 or jay at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand's story. Uh, real quick before we go, um, some football recruiting news. Uh, we mentioned a little bit last week, but uh, you know, got four uh, different uh, commitments uh, over the past week or two. Um, one for this year. Uh, the second signing day is coming up pretty soon. I think, what, next week, uh, early part of February. And then our first three commits for, of the class of 2025. Um which is which is really really cool. Uh, we got for this year. Um, you know, we had heard that Northwestern wanted to keep filling out the offensive line, um, and with uh, the commitment of Izomo Radakai, uh, you know, earlier in January, um, we got news that Dennis Rahowski, uh, offensive lineman from Eden, Minnesota, uh, he, Eden he committed. Prairie. Eden Prairie. Is it Eden Prairie? I'm sorry. Sorry. It, it's just what it, it on rivals. It says Eden, Minnesota. So I. But he went to Eden Prairie High School, right? Is that right, Scott? Is that one of your rivals? Yeah, Eden Prairie is one of the one of the better football programs in in um, Minnesota. Eden Prairie is where the Vikings have their uh, their training facility, et cetera. Um, but they've been a, they've been a really strong football program for a long, long time. So um, this is getting a guy from a top of the class uh, program in, in in Minnesota. And and he's kind of like kind of a raw piece of clay, um, you know, found write-ups about him in um, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, focusing mainly, mainly on his play as a defensive tackle. Then he played defensive tackle. He played tight end. There's a photo we found that we put up on Twitter that, like, is him celebrating after a tight end, after a touchdown catch as a tight end, where he's getting insane air. This guy is like a crazy raw athlete. So whether he develops as an offensive tackle or ends up playing in the interior of the defensive line, like we'll see. But I think he was a Yale commit and, you know, was was flipped from Yale. But to get a big body that's like, again, like a moldable piece of clay this late in the cycle. I mean, like wherever he he ends up um, is interesting and, you know, fantastic student, too, and everything. So I f- it, it's just one of those things where. There have been several in a row right now where we're, you know, of, of recruits where we're like, we're coming up on like the end of the line here. There's like days until signing day. We're still yeah. pulling in these kind of quality guys. Like it's, it's very impressive. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like I mentioned, we have three commits for uh, 2025. Um, you got Jonathan Stevens, uh, defensive back from Westerville, Ohio. Uh, you've got Zach Giuliano, tight end out of Newport Beach, California. And you know, stop me if you if this name rings a bell for you, Caden O'Rourke, uh, defensive end from Frankfurt, Illinois. That's right, Devin's little brother, uh, is as committed to Northwestern. So, um, it's, yeah, it it's all awesome for several reasons. I mean, one, these are all big recruits, not huge recruits, but these are all solid three star recruits. Rivals loves them. Other schools love them. Jonathan Stevens had several Big Ten offers. O'Rourke had a bunch of offers. And Giuliano had a ton of offers. He has offers from like Auburn to Washington to, I don't know, was it Texas A&M or something? I mean, he and and many, many more. Um, a very highly regarded tight end prospect. Um, and so, and it's all really, and then of course, O'Rourke, right? The, the whole piece where 
he's not as highly rated of a recruit as Devin was coming out of high school, but I think we are all extremely familiar of the fact that Devin O'Rourke just never got to have the career he deserved to have because of injuries and the way his career was marred all the way through. And then by the time he got as healthy as he could, he was basically playing out of position and defensive tackle in the last year of the Jim O'Neill era, right? I mean, he never got the career that he deserved and he was a guy who was willing to always put in the prep to come back, always, you know, just character guy, just like positive, upbeat, and then was willing to play in the interior in, as we described at the start of before last season, you know, a kind of a thankless task for the good of the team, right? And it's just character. So, I mean, we think of like the character that he displayed at the team and then be like another member of that family is coming into the program. It's just super it's just awesome. It's super exciting. So awesome start to 2025. And the other thing, and I know Matthew Shelton is going to make sure that we bring this up because he's interviewed all these guys and it came up. And I think we were thinking about it. All of these guys, or at least the vast majority of them, and some other names of guys who haven't even committed yet, but but might potentially commit in the future, were on this visit day that went over the past weekend that coincided with the Ohio State game. And they all were at that game and they all were blown away by the environment at that game. And they all said as much to Matthew Shelton without being prompted to say so. That's a big, big deal. I think we all think about like the history of Northwestern and everything. And it's so easy to forget so many of these kids don't have a reference point for Northwestern. And then when they come in and they see that kind of student support, and then you tell them there's going to be a brand new building that those students are going to be a part of by the time they're redshirt freshmen, how would you feel? I'd be like absolutely stoked. So, I mean, it's just like that stuff all matters. And this was like a big thing where Matthew Shelton was like, I just want everyone to know every single recruit I've talked to has brought this up. It really matters. Shout out Wildside. Absolutely. Yep. And like, just the, the the level that they've taken it to this season has just been incredible. And it's like, is getting noticed beyond just the Northwestern environment. I mean, you're you're seeing you know, wildside shoutouts well outside of the Northwestern community. So keep it up, guys and la- ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just doing so awesome. Uh, love to see it. Can't wait to see it continuing. Uh, as we get into the back half of the Big Ten schedule, um, you know, the tough ones, at least on paper, are behind us. But, uh, you know, would it would it surprise anyone to see uh, Northwestern v. Purdue round three in Indianapolis? Or if if the Big Ten tournament is in Indianapolis this year, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not 100% sure that it's there, but more often than not, it is. But, uh, you know, Northwestern v. Purdue round three. In March? Sign me up, man. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in between then and now, let's stack some flipping wins. Let's go. Uh, Anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? Yeah, I'm going backwards here a little bit, guys, but bear with me here. There's one thing I wanted to to call out from the the Ohio State game that just kind of of caught my eye in the aftermath and the post game. And and when I started to think about it, it felt felt pretty special. Um, And... I'm going to start by by referencing, you know, we had our, our historical discussion earlier and, you know, men's hoops is having a lot of firsts right now. That doesn't mean there's not like a robust history uh, with this program, right? Um, 
going back many years. And I, and the thing that stood out to me, um, last game. So I, you know, boo, 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 he surpassed Drew Crawford tonight during the Purdue game to become the second leading scorer, uh, at Northwestern all time. But in the Ohio state game, he surpassed Billy McKinney and, uh, Billy McKinney is, you know, the first inductee into the Northwestern basketball hall of fame. Um, his Jersey is going to be retired, uh, I think at a game later this year. Am I in right March, on that stuff? Yeah, like March, early March. Yeah. Um, he, uh, phenomenal guard. He was, you know, he was number three on the list. Boo, Boo surpassed him against Ohio State. Uh, Billy is the the color commentary guy on the radio listen, broadcast. I listened right to now. him tonight. Yep. Yeah. And there's a, uh, you know, it's been, it's been widely circled, circulated on 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 uh, social media, but a, a a shot of McKinney hugging. Boo and, and and congratulating him that night. Um, and Boo's talked about how you know McKinney's kind of a special, like he's been a, a mentor for the team. It's just you know a great, uh, a really great supporter of of them and everything, which which is no surprise. But it's 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 awesome to see that connection. But adding on to that, the other the other thing I saw was Juice Thompson interviewing Boo uh, post game for um, you know Juice Juice is doing some work with young athletes and. Uh, training in Chicago right now after having won uh, the the African Afri- basketball championship is that the the I think so either that or the African Cup it was one of the two. yeah the African Cup yeah with with a uh, with his team in, that's based in Egypt um so that's that's two all world uh, Northwestern guards that were in the house uh, with Ohio State supporting Boo in his in his quest to to you know break all these. Um, these records and set these new norms for Northwestern basketball. And then you've also got Bryant McKinney, uh, not Bryant McKinney. Oh my God. Bryant McIntosh, uh, on the bench as an assistant coach with Northwestern. Um, and I just, I happen to see him tweeting about boo after the game as well, but I just like, it is, it was notable to me that three of what I would say, probably three of the four greatest guards in Northwestern history. Um, I'd, th- I'd, I'd love to Tim young in there as well, who, who've all been instrumental in their own way in, building Northwestern's basketball legacy to where it is today in the house for that game against Ohio state, watching, cheering, supporting boo booey in, in a variety of different ways as he looks to, to make history. And that, that's the sort of like special stuff that, that, that comes together and emphasizes, you know, we don't, we don't have the wins, but, but that doesn't mean there's not a rich history with Northwestern basketball. And it's just really cool to see these things, uh, kind of come together as we're experiencing what we're all experiencing right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, I think the, the final thing I'll mention, we don't have all the details on this right now, but speaking of the rich history of Northwestern, there may be some of you like, look, like Ryan field wasn't exactly Yankee stadium, right? But there may be some of you being like, look, well, if they're tearing down Ryan field, like, are there, is there any memorabilia coming out of there? Like, is there any, op- you know, is there any opportunity for me to get a memento coming out of that situation? And um, we don't have all the details, but we'll just say, like, the man you might expect to be on this kind of thing, Jay Sharman, is on it. He's on it. He's he's working on it. Um, I think he has some ideas and he's looking into it. And and there may be some opportunities coming out of, of that. And And we don't have the exact specifics, but he's hard at work. And as soon as we have the further details on that, you'll have those details. But there may be opportunities, you know, if you're looking like, hey, is there going to be an auction where I can bid on something? Or is there going to be an opportunity for me to buy a piece of history from like the old Ryan Field? Like 
there are people who are working on these things. And as soon as we have those details, we'll pass them on to you. Uh, so with so, that, we'll go ahead. So, so guys, I have a quick curveball to throw your way. All right. What, what do we got? The 2024 Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament will take place okay. from March 13th to March 17th in the Target Center oh. in Minneapolis. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Has it ever been hosted outside of Indianapolis or Chicago? I don't know. I, I think you got to go up there, man. You got to go with your dad. That's got to happen. <laughs> Dude, I like I'm I'm literally gonna be there the weekend prior to take in uh, Minnesota Duluth versus St. Cloud uh, in ice hockey. I I don't. <laughs> you just gotta stay up. Who needs to work, Scott? You just oh, gotta stay Lord. up there, man. Who needs yeah. to work? Remote work, man. Remote work. Sure. Call in. God. Yeah. The, uh, Anybody want to hire me? Hire me to just cover Big Ten basketball. <laughs> why, why couldn't they hold it in Cincinnati? Poor Scuzz is already out of his mind that he can't come to this archives night. Sam oh, and I are over God. the moon to go to this thing, and poor Scuzz is. Uh, well, it, we've got to get Scuzz as many opportunities as possible, uh, and potentially. And we're batting around some things. Speaking of things that put a pin in, because when we might iron them out more in the future, but yeah. we might be trying to put some opportunities together for the spring as well. Well, uh, let's just say like. Um, there's there's going to be some NU softball pretty close to to my home base, and then um, I uh, I really want to see Boo Booey play in person before this year's yeah. out. So um, I'm I'm actively working that angle, and if uh, if there's something to be shared, we'll be sharing it. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. To head to our website westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.